and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we are embarking on a thrilling adventure. Embarking, yes. Before we get started talking about what this season's going to look like, what, how we define thrills, and how the AFI yes, defines this thrills. this is going to be interesting. And we, before we get into this very shiny, sparkly film, how was your week? My week was made better by shiny, sparkly films. I really enjoyed closing out Stephen King. It was a, an interesting experience having to sort out all of those films. I think, what, 96, 98 adaptations altogether? Um, having to sort out all those films and trying to sort of sift through it and find the performances, and it led to mm -hmm. a lot of mental exercise. Yeah. And it didn't happen right away. It took place over a couple of days yeah. trying to get to the bottom of like, well, did, is this performance the best? And I think I came up with some that surprised you. Yeah, for sure. So I was I like, think I might have too. Yeah, <laughs> you did. It's like, oh, I didn't really think about that. But um, but there's so much. So yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I have really enjoyed over the week trying to put that together and putting together that final episode with Luis. you. Well, what about you? Uh, let me see. We are We are recording this in advance Farther than we've ever recorded anything in advance. <gasps> mm -hmm. Peek behind the curtain. Um, because we're trying. Maybe this is like, uh, be prepared in 2022. <laughs> we're just trying to, I'm yes. just trying to build a little bit of a, a cushion. Uh, I will be going out of town shortly, but we've already got this week's episode done mm -hmm. and next week's episode done. And this is the following week's episode. So that's exciting. Uh, and, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this new round of right. things. Uh, it's not going to be all winners. I don't think I'm... Or let, let me rephrase that. I don't think I'm going to like 100% of these films, yeah. but I think 100% of these films are going to be worth talking about. So right. I'm excited they to do be. that. So so what we're doing, in case mm -hmm. you missed the previous episode or you... Uh, Go back and listen to it. Coming in hot for season jump? six, which mm -hmm. is totally fine... Uh, we are going to watch the American Film Institute's Top 100 Thrills. They have a, a list on their site, 100 Years, 100 Thrills. So they're they're revamping a lot of their lists mm -hmm. with 2022 being basically the 100th year of Hollywood. Right. Uh, so they revamped their Top 100 list. They are, at the top of all of their lists, they're indicating that we know this has been real white for real long, and mm -hmm. we're doing our very best to go ahead and diversify that. And I, I am hopeful that they do that. But there's a podcast called Unspooled that did the top 100 movies right. on, AFI, on the AFI list. I don't want to do exactly what they've done. Right. So... We were looking at the list that they had, and for a second we thought we might do, they had a top 10 of 10 different genres list, uh, which would, looked pretty fun, and we could just break it up into chunks and do like mini, mini seasons. But uh, we took issue both with the 10 genres, quote unquote, that they decided to use, and then the 10 films that they decided to put into those genres. Right. So I'm almost tempted to look at the genres, I, maybe mush them around a little bit, and then have you and I come up with our top I five think, favorites yes. or top three favorites and maybe have yeah. that be a thing going forward. But Their, their choices were their choices really were not. poor. And 
um, what we were speaking about in specific was the fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. Because there had been a lot of complaints about that in some of the groups I'm in. Yeah. Which is you can't, really cannot, if you're counting films globally, if you're counting American films. These even, are American films. We should um, be specific. These are You the can't really count films. 10 of the top greatest fantasy films of all time and not include a single one of Ray Harryhausen's films. Yeah. Who were so widely influential. There if is seen, only right. one movie on that list. Yeah. That um, was a sword and sorcery type mm-hmm. fantasy right. film, and that was the Lord of the Rings, the first Lord of the Rings movie. Which is how does that count as an American film? That's the other. I mean, fair enough. Right. I'm sure there was American money that went into it. Yeah. Who but, distributed it? Is it a is it a Weinstein situation? I don't know if it is. I'm just saying right. things. So um so we weren't gonna do the top that was the ten top AFI's mm-hmm. ten top ten and we didn't like it. I didn't I also didn't love like let's see, what are their animation and I didn't agree with them. Like their top animation was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Pinocchio, Bambi, The Lion King, Fantasia, Toy Story, Beauty and the Beast, Shrek, Cinderella, and Finding Nemo. To not have anything newer than 2003 on the list is obscene to me. Right. To, I'm sorry. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably the best animated film of all time. <laughs> like, ha, but ha, mm, no. It was. It really felt like a best of Disney with one non-Disney thing added mm-hmm. to it. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, rom-com is one of the lists um, that I I don't necessarily really agree with them. Uh, westerns were all pretty. There's so many westerns. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good westerns. But the fantasy, kind of the like issue. let's let's just go over what the fantasy was. Okay. Uh, number ten, big. Number nine, the Thief of Baghdad. Dad. Number mm-hmm. eight, Groundhog Day. Number seven, Harvey, and that's where my alarm bells go start fucking sounding. Number six, Field of Dreams. Number five, The Miracle on 34th Street, once again. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Number four, The 1933 King Kong. Number three, It's a Wonderful Life. Number two, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And number one, The Wizard of Oz from 1939. It's just... Well, as I was saying, if you have seen... Any of the fantasy films made after Ray Harryhausen did Sim, uh, the Seven Voyages of Sinbad, yeah. every film was influenced by his work. Yeah. If you're watching Harry Potter, you're watching bits of him. If you're watching Pacific Rim, you're watching bits of him. Hell, if you're watching Godzilla, you're watching bits of him. Because um, his first giant monster on the loose film, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, was a direct inspiration for Godzilla. Yeah. So it's like, here's a person who revolutionized this kind of filmmaking, and there's not a single one of his films on the list. Yeah. And yeah, that's no, just it's wild. bizarre. Like, it's wild. But we have Harvey, which but is Harvey, not... Which I would argue, strenuously, mm-hmm. is not a fantasy film. I would... I, <sighs> we both agree that it's a really lovely movie. It's it's a beautiful movie. And I everyone should see it. Deeply. But, no... It's not... A fan, it's not... Right. Even if... Y'all go listen to our Harvey episode because we do have a Harvey episode. Mm-hmm. Um, even if Harvey is a figment of his imagination, right? It's still not a fantasy movie, and also 
Harvey's not a figment of his imagination. It's made right. pretty clear in the film that yes. it's not. So, so like, um, I'm not I really sure exactly when it he, feels like right. that list was made by like um, literal atheists or, or like, like the most therapists literal or something that ever were. Yeah. Like, I just I don't, it also I don't feels like, like there's a group of therapists who are like, well, we can't recommend this film. It might be psychologically harmful. Yeah. So what we are going to do is there hundred years hundred thrills. Now, does that mean thrillers? No. No, no, no. No, it does not. <laughs> um, from what I can surmise from the list itself, it is action. It is literally anything that might get your uh, heart rate up a little bit, mm-hmm. other than, like, porn or whatever, like sex. Um, it's action. It's adventure. It's thriller. There mm-hmm. are thrillers on this um, list. Uh but I think those are primarily what we're going to be talking about, which I was drawn to specifically because a lot of times when I don't know what I want to watch, like if I don't have a particular thing in mind that I want to watch, a lot of times what I end up saying is, I don't know, something, (laughs) something with action. Right. (laughs) Right. So, uh, because if I'm feeling listless, it'll, Probably I tend to default to, to horror too. Yeah. It's like that's the way that we. And there break. are there is horror in this list. Yeah. There are the thrillers in this list. list. Right? The Exorcist is in this so, list. Yeah. So is the Omen. I'm so um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the no. Exorcist is going to be one to be ready for. It's fine. So there are ten things on this list that we have already done. So we are mm. we are going to just skip over them. We will mention them when they come up. We are right. going number one hundred to number one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We will, yeah, we will mention, we will talk briefly and maybe link to our episodes on yes. the the 10 movies that we've already seen, which include Halloween, Halloween All the Pre- President's Men, Carrie, Saving Private Ryan, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Deer Hunter, The Shining, Taxi Driver, Deliverance, and The Godfather. <laughs> so those are the ones the that The 70s I'm, was a great decade for movies. Yeah. Yeah, and we watched a bunch of them, right? <laughs> because I had not watched them. So, uh, so, but so we're gonna just skip over mm. those. Like I said, we'll link them in the show notes. Um, but we'll move right on to the next um, one when we hit one. We won't hit one though. The first one that comes up isn't until ni- number sixty-eight. So we've mm. got a ways yeah. to go. Uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with number one hundred, which is the Adventures of Robin Hood from nineteen thirty-eight, starring. Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, Basil Rathbone, Claude Rains. Who else? Is that it? Did I get lots them all? Lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Did I get them? Did I get them all? Well, I mean, there's so many characters that... Those are all the names that I knew. Alan so Hale, isn't it? Alan Hale Sr. So if you've ever seen Gilligan's Island... Oh, right. And you're seeing the skipper, his dad was another big guy with a loud voice who, mm-hmm. who did a really wonderful job in this film. That's right. He plays... Right, but the, that's... Little John. He, and he had already played Little John in the Douglas Fairbanks version. Right. He was a big guy. <laughs> so, what... Let's talk about... Well, let's start with... This movie came out in 1938. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 102 minutes long. It is in Technicolor, y'all. It is... Three-strip Technicolor. The most color-saturated Technicolor, technicolor that ever lived. There are two directors listed. Mm-hmm. 
Did they co-direct or did no, one, one fell fight ill. and took the other one? There's a lot of stories about it. One of them is that one fell ill and the other replaced him. Another one is that the producer, Hal Wallace, felt that the movie needed to be pumped up a little bit in terms of action scenes. Oh, so interesting. he got a more action-oriented director to finish the film. Gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, it, it does have two directors, and, and I'm not sure how the chores were split. Gotcha. Yeah, this is one of the older films that I've seen, like, in my life, uh, because I have not watched a lot of movies from the 30s. Mm. Uh, I've seen some 1939s. I've seen Wizard of Oz. Right. Um, but... Typically, my movie viewing starts in the 50s, probably, and mm. maybe even later than that. So, uh, this, the Technicolor was bonkers bananas to look at. The The other thing that this movie has is several writers. Uh, screenplayer is by three people. Directed by two people. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people behind the scenes. Right. Um, and all of them, the screenplay is all this person's name based on Robin Hood legends. So what is your experience other than this film with Robin Hood? Um, and, have, and had you seen this movie before? I had seen this movie when I was a kid. Mm. Because there were television syndication packages that included this and films from the 30s like King Kong. And some of the gangster movies like Little Caesar or something. Mm -hmm. And so they were running on UHF stations all the time. This is probably the first time I've seen all the way through a beautifully restored print like this. Uh, It's gorgeous to look at. This is is the way it's supposed to look. Beautiful. Um, It also is deeply anachronistic. (laughs) Well, it's deeply anachronistic. Uh, So... The story, apparently, there was an attempt to make it more realistic in terms of dialogue and things. Mm-hmm. And the producer, Hal Wallace, because they were spending so much money, this particular studio did not do historical pictures. They did gangster movies. And they did, you know, modern-day sort of dramas and things. And so when they spent, at the time, this huge... <laughs> this is so funny. Now, the budget says right. $2 million. Right. Which is not that much now, Ooh, but was, seems like an obscene amount. It was an obscene amount of money at the time. I remember when um, when Francis Ford Coppola finished Apocalypse Now, and he spent thirty million dollars, and everyone was horrified. Uh, but in terms of actual money at the time, this was an enormous expenditure. So I think producers were very worried about not being able to carry this off as a period picture done by this particular studio. So. As I said, they usually did gangster films, so James Cagney was supposed to be mm. Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. However, and he he had the physical ability for it. He was a brown belt in judo. He was a dancer, so he could move oh, around. Yeah. That seems like really the well. movement that you need from a Robin Hood. However, he did not want to do this film and and walked out of it, which left it open for Earl Flynn, which was yeah. made his career. Oh, did it? This was this the beginning of. Well, his he career? did. Cap- he had one success before this with a historical drama. Okay, and then this just made him. But gotcha. um, but in terms of my experience of it, I'd seen this film a dozen times when I was a kid. This led not just for me, but for many people of a certain age to have more scratches from curtain rods than any other movie in the history. Curtain rod fencing, which is oh how this winds up when you're a kid. And you watch seems this movie. Bad. Yes. 
Probably da, this da, one in yeah. Mark of Zorro led for more people falling uh, down banisters uh, 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 uh. and and basically hitting each other with cordon rods and getting yeah. all scratched up. And that was the this was the big swashbuckling movie. Um yeah, I've seen. But do you see? Have you seen a lot of other adaptations? I've seen other adaptations. There was a television series in England for a while. I saw Patrick Bergen do it, and that with Uma Thurman, that was pretty good, uh, and much more historically accurate. If you mm-hmm. want to see a historically accurate version, that was that one, mm-hmm. that film. Um, and then I saw Kevin Costner's movie, and I was not impressed at all. But it'll hurt more, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like. Um, like the sheriff in that film, what is his name? Alan yeah. Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> so seemed, I just quoted. <laughs> I know I couldn't remember his name. I gotcha. <laughs> Alan Rickman seemed to be in a completely different movie. The movie I wanted to watch. Right, and yeah. and also there's a really distasteful scene at the end. I don't remember the end. I've seen it, but they I don't play remember. an attempted rape for laughs. Oh, that's at the end of the film, right. and it's just bonkers. Have you seen like, Men in Tights? No, I haven't seen Men in Tights. I saw the Patrick Bergen version. I saw Richard Green's TV show. Um, And there was another British TV show from the 80s that was running on television for a while with Jason Connery, you know, um, related to another famous Connery. But, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun with the character. But the animated one. Yes, and the animated one. I did not see the animated one. Mm-hmm. So I, unlike many women of my age did, uh, and other and mm-hmm. other people, not just women, um, of my age, uh, did not have a sexual awakening to a fox. But a lot of people my age did. They watched that movie and he's real sexy, I guess. Um, I It's weird because I'm sure I've seen the Kevin Costner movie. I know I've seen the recent Taron Edgerton movie. I'm Pretty sure I saw the Russell Crowe movie, but maybe not so dark. It's oh, so I didn't gray. See good Lord, yeah. um, I don't believe I've seen the animated version, but I know this story. This I don't know if I read it when I was a kid or what. This story is in my bones. I was like, oh yeah, that's what happens next. And this version of it is a very sort of cookie cutter. Here's all the things you want from a Robin Hood story in the order that you want out of a Robin Hood story. And we're going to do it. It's funny because I think this is true for me of a lot of movies made at this time. Uh Even though I haven't seen that many, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But it feels like the movie is in like 1.25 speed. Everybody seems to be talking very quickly. The laughter is so fake. Are you? I just feel like I'm... You know, I, I'm trying uh, to find something about the movie that you mentioned. Oh, okay. The Disney Robin Hood film. Oh, gotcha. It's, okay. like, it's escaping I, me, but go ahead. Okay. Sorry, I just I wasn't getting any... I was like, am I making any sense? Um, what was I saying? Your laughter was so fake. Oh, the laughter was so... There was a lot of... Ha, 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 ha. Both of us were just doing that to each other. Well, which is fine. Right. I didn't and, actually and mind we, it. We should point this out like, for modern audiences. What's going on? This is 1938. We are, in some cases, less than 10 years away from silent movies. And so there's a lot of silent movie acting Yes. in this film. Yeah, that I mean, right. Errol Flynn does a lot of shifting his eyes to the left, shifting his eyes to the right. And then there's he a lot so of... so much beautiful rouge on his face. Yeah. A... And there is glitter on everyone. 
There's no glitter in 1191. Y'all, this movie takes place in 1191. Mm -hmm. There are colors of fabric that there's no way they Mm -hmm. would have made. There are glitter and sequins. People are wearing tights. They are wearing lycra. Right. Um, (laughs) Spandex, it looks um, like. Robin Hood's costume has like literal spangles Spangles. on it. There is glitter. There is glitter. And they're very much taken from, the costumes are taken from sort of illustrations that N.C. Wyeth did uh, in children's books. Right. And so that was a clever idea to sort of get people to... It feels like seeing this in 1938 in a movie theater would have been incredible. It would have been overwhelming. I like... There's a couple of dresses that Maid Marian Mm -hmm. wears that are color shift fabric. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this would be like... The first time anyone they would have burned her for being a witch, and she didn't been able to do that. It's not a thing that was in 1191, but it was barely a thing right. in 1938. Yeah. Like you had to be rich or on a screen mm-hmm. for that to be a thing. Like yeah. I feel like people are like I've never seen anything. See, like and that this before. is something that gets missed from. Okay, so again, to place it in a historical context, it's right after silent movies, so people are going to act in ways that you will find strange if you're a modern audience. Yeah. People throw back their head and laugh with their hands on their hips, like you see yes. in a comic book. Yes. That happens all the time in this film. Um, it's to Errol Flynn's credit that he makes it look like it's something he does all the time anyhow. Yeah, I feel you, like he might just. He right. might just. These people are sort of larger than life, these actors. Uh, but also remember, this is a country that just was coming out of the Depression. And so going to see this movie in Technicolor, with these gorgeous costumes and all this action, it was really something. Yeah. In the context of its time, when people were literally starting out. Also, think about how much money this movie made. It was $4 million yep. in a time when a movie cost a quarter. It it doubled. Right. Its, well, it was also probably in theaters for a very long right, exactly. time. And would be brought out yeah. regularly, right? But yeah. just the notion that you made $4 million in quarters. That's also what like, you did. Like I said, this one and a half, it almost feels like one one point two five speed. They're speaking very quickly. Things are happening. There is no time for you mm-hmm. to get bored in this movie. No. Today, this movie would be two hours be and forty-five minutes long. Sakes, yeah, it's interesting watching other adaptations of it that don't include the same scenes. Well, because, I don't need right. other things to include the exact. No, no. no scenes, but what so. I mean is, if you're going to, like you said, if you're the stories of Robin Hood himself, whether or not he was a historical character, apparently there's eight good nominees for who Robin Hood might have actually been. Right. And there's even a grave marker. Yeah. And there's you know, all sorts of stuff. But going back to, I think, 1370 is the first time people are mentioning him. Okay. Something like him. Or at least the figure that winds up becoming Robin Hood. Uh, so there's all these stories accumulated around him. The fact that the screenwriters put so many of those stories together... Yeah. He feels this, like right. Jesus in that way, where there's just all of these sort of stories about mm-hmm. this person. Not, I'm not saying no, he's I understand. a messianic figure. I'm saying he, or like, um, like a, is it, am I thinking of like a Paul Bunyan? Or right. he's a folk hero, hero right. right? And and so, but this one covers so much of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, much it, like it hits all the, all the highlights like, oh, of right. what you think you're this supposed to see. This is how he's going to meet. This right. is how he's going to meet. Yeah. So, um, so let's get into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. So, Errol Flynn. Well, okay. Let's start with 
there's a little bit of a, here's the history. It's 1191. Mm-hmm. The king of England is Richard. Richard the Lionheart. The Lionheart. And he is a Norman king, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, excuse me. Yes, yes. Yes, he is a Norman because his brothers are Norman. Mm-hmm. But he is on the side of the Saxons, which are I- English people. Normans are French. French. Mm-hmm. The French-English battle. So Richard the Lionheart, king of England, has gone on crusade and on his way back did get yoinked by the king, by a king in the German area. Austria. Is it, 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 it Austria? Okay. I think so. Um, Duke Leopold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's um, MIA, and his brother is like, excellent, I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> and uh, his brother's a piece of shit. His name is Prince John. He is played by... Claude Rains. Claude Rains. One of the great voices. A, a man I know as being invisible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's so funny. There were so many actors who did not want to do the invisible man because they're like, well, no one will ever see me in this part. The voice, yo. And Claude Rains realized it's the voice. And he, okay, so there's Prince John, and mm-hmm. he's like, I am going to take over the world. And then his buddy, Guy of Gisborne, played by... Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone. Yes. Who has been a Sherlock Holmes. That's what I know about him. Also, he got a really good face. I like his face a lot. He also, He's also very much bigger than Claude <laughs> right. Uh he he guy is where like I I get they're staying at like Guy's house. That's what it feels mm. like to me. And then but they're sort of conspiring together to take over the world. And they're using their minion, the Sheriff of Nottingham, played by I don't remember his name. Where is he? Melville Cooper. And this is the um, most simpering, cowardly version of the Sheriff of Nottingham that I've ever seen. In fact, the whole time I kept not remembering Mm. who was who. I knew Prince John because he had like a red mullet. And I was like, got it. And I knew Guy of Gisborne because Basil Rothborne towers over literally everyone. Right. But I expected him to be the sheriff of Nottingham because that is the 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 villain the version, that we right. see mm-hmm. in so many versions of it. And this sheriff of Nottingham is going along to get the fuck along, like right. this so motherfucker. The idea is that the Norman barons are getting together because they realize that with Richard out of the country, uh, no one's protecting the interests of the Saxons, yep. and so. Prince John is like, well, I'm going to tax you all very heavily yep. because we need to raise the money for Richard's ransom. Mm-hmm. He's not paying anyone's ransom. Nope, he's raising this his is... own army to just go ahead and right. declare Richard dead and then take the throne. Mm-hmm. Yes, in absentia. is treason. I know, I know that we in this country may need a, a primer on sedition and treason, mm-hmm. but when your brother is alive and the king and you scheme to declare him dead make him dead or just pretend he's dead right all those are treason (laughs) all of those things are treason um so they're all working together and they have a ward under their care and that is maid marion marion 
What was her last name again? Hold on. Uh, just may ask Maiden Mary. Fitzwalter. Fitzwalter. That's right. Fitzwater. Is it? Is it Fitzwalter or Fitzwater? Fitzwalter. Walter. Yes. Maid Marion, Lady Marion Fitzwalter, uh, who is a ward of theirs, uh, played by the beautiful Olivia de Havilland, mm-hmm. in gorgeous and inappropriate to the time and place gowns. <laughs> um, but she does look spectacular in every scene that she's in, and she. Where's a fetching red lip, which I also do not think was a thing in 1191. Probably not. <laughs> um, and so while they're sort of scheming and pulling all of the money they can from the poor to, to mm-hmm. gather the ransom, quote unquote, or just line their coffers so that they have, they can pay an army with right. which to take over the country. Uh, Robin of Loxley, he is a Saxon noble. Uh, He is uh, doing his best to mitigate this with chaos. (laughs) That's maybe a good way of putting it, yeah. So we see him... We see him stop a man from being executed for for poaching uh, by firing his arrows a whole bunch. He also rides around like he is invincible, which is wild to me because he's deeply invincible, but <laughs> he just rides right. up to men with very ar- very armed men with n- no armor well, at all. I think and he's like, what, bring what it on. <laughs> we're talking about in this case is privilege to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. He is a noble person, so... Yeah, what are you going to do to me? Right, you're not going to... You're not, not going to do anything. You're not going to murder me here. He saves uh, Much the Miller's son. Much the Miller's son, yes. And who winds up becoming an ally, and that was a good way of introducing his character. Like, yeah. here he is rescuing a common person from... Yeah. Very certain death. He is what what this man has done is um, mm-hmm. shot an arrow to kill a deer on the king's land so that his family doesn't starve. Right. And of course, the um, I don't know if it's the sheriff or no, I think it's I don't know. There's bands of Norman forces that just ride and enforce the law. They're, they're just running around the law, the king's law, yes, brutalizing um, people. And he's like, we're gonna we're. And Robin stops him with an arrow because Robin. Here's how Robin stops something from off screen: an arrow comes in, <laughs> and right. then you know he's behind it. Uh, and now, do you want to know something interesting about this? This special effect, how it was done. They hired an archer to shoot an arrow at the actors. There is a famous, yes, a a like probably an Olympic leather, <laughs> level archer that was doing all of the the arrows on the film were shot by a professional archer. Professional archer. What a cool His name is job. Howard Hill. Yes. He shows up later on in the movie. Oh, he was literally, he shows was up he in, the in the contest. Contest. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. He's the same person who actually did the arrow stunt, which we'll talk about later. Yes. But I'm just, it's horrifying to think there's an actor here with these cloaks on and a big piece of balsa wood balsa over his wood. chest and they're just shooting yeah. arrows. Balsa God. wood and metal plates. Right. But I'm going like, that's because it. Apparently, there is not an insignificant pe- number of men. Right. Me- it's all men. Right. Who are 
struck by an arrow in the middle of their chest right. and fall off their horse. And these are people who both <laughs> love the fact that Mr. Hill is such a good shot and resent the fact that he's yes. such a good shot because apparently it physically hurt them to get hit by these arrows. Yeah. They are well, yeah. coming, they're, they're meant Just to Just like penetrate. getting hit with a squib hurts. Right. Or like when a squib explodes, it hurts. It's an explosion next to your right. skin. Like it hurts. But I, uh, I read that today and I was just stunned like, oh, oh my God. These people are just literally being shot with arrows. Yeah, I mean, spell. I think the sound, the shook, right. that it makes every time someone gets hit with an arrow right. is the actual sound that it made when somebody got hit. <laughs> with an arrow they in might have 1937 to... Hollywood when they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, they might have had to take out the, the fully out the sounds of whimpering, you know, like, mm, I know, right. when you You're got hit by an arrow. <laughs> but it hurts, you know. <laughs> so, guys. much the Miller's son is going to be with us for the rest of the... Yes. He does, I never knew his name. Right. Is his name Much? Much. Who's also one of the legendary figures. Is he? Yeah. That is not in my mm-hmm. line of knowledge, but he is definitely there the whole time. Now, he is a grown-ass man, so mm-hmm. to be referred to as the Miller's son is wild, mm-hmm. but that's fine. Um, And he he's saved he, because Robin says, um, he works mm-hmm. for me. Right. I'm the one that poached. He works for me. And then Robin goes to Guy's castle with a whole ass deer over his right. shoulders and uh there's a banquet taunts he taunts he's there he comes in with a stag on his shoulders it's probably one of the more macho entrances in a film it's ever amazing when the guards try to stop him he whacks them with he the, just the, hits them with the antler side of the fucking deer it's good it's very funny um and then this is when there's that fantastic line of mm-hmm. where where robin is is not so he's not a subtle he's not no, subtle not at all. um but he will speak in innuendos and sides mm. and along the side right so he's basically like i'm gonna do whatever it takes to right. stop you because i am a mm. king's man right like i am i am faithful to richard mm-hmm. and uh the way that he's talking to Prince John made Marion says, you speak treason, sir. Right. And he says, fluently, and then takes a bite of his food. <laughs> and it's very good. And right at that point, they just start firing shots and right. things at him. So then there's a big fight, and then he leaves. And um, he is stripped of his land and titles. So now he is the hood, I guess. Now, he's mind you, we off. should mention that he's accompanied in these journeys by... The most scarlet, little scarlet that ever lived. That's what we're going to talk about next. So the next time we see him, he is walking uh-huh. through the forest with a dude in bright red who is just begging to be shot in the <laughs> fucking face because he is wearing... It's just red. It's so red. It's stop signs. His name is Will Scarlet. So he's Scarlet. I understand that. But also in 1191, I don't think that there was fabric dye that would have made the fabric Mm. that they had in 1191 this color. Well, I think what's what's funny is that he... (laughs) You couldn't get it white enough to get it back up. When Robin Hood does his... uh, uh, Feats of Daring Do and escapes by literally scaling the inside of the, the... the baronial hall where yes. the Normans are. And um, and he runs along the gate, he escapes, and he's rescued, you know, much the Miller's son and Will Scarlet help him out. And yeah. so now these are the, They've got the, horses the first of the two merry men. And we should mention Will Scarlet's like a troubadour. 
Because he's always carrying he an is. instrument that he's... He has a <laughs> dumb smile on his face. Right. He does not take part in any of the... The rough Jousting stuff. and the <laughs> no. rough stuff. He will sit on the riverbank and play you a tune, and he does just have a beatific smile on his I face. I think the idea is that the entire story of Robin Hood is going to come from this guy. Well, yeah, maybe. He's composing yeah. it as he goes right. along. Yeah, and uh, he says four things through the whole movie, right. but he is laughing. almost. He's got the most natural laugh. He never uh-huh. opens his mouth to... <laughs> he never does that. No. He just says this, like... Toothy grin, and then he's giggling. He's very happy. He's a happy guy. This motherfucker's high. You don't wear. Oh, he's so bright. Okay, so but they see a man coming across a log bridge, and it's a it's a big dude, and uh, Robin goes up and and stops him basically from crossing the bridge, and then they have a tussle and a fight, and. Uh, Robin is bested, and Robin loves to be bested. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever really bested, or no. if he's just, like, good enough. Like, right. you've reached a threshold, and now I will allow you to best well, he's, me. He's dunked, is basically he what it is. is. Um, but I feel like with Friar uh-huh. Tuck, too, I feel like they he could have won that mm. fight. Like he, I think right. he could have story-killed either of these two, but right. that's not what he's in it for. Yeah. Um, so he's like, you have beat me, and now you will be my... Well, that's, Very mean? I, I think that <laughs> the idea that he says, I like men who can best me, yeah. and then goes on, it's, there's not a, and this is what goes well for the character, um, there's not a malicious bone in his body, really. No, he, he's not there saying, is a yeah. mischievous bone. Oh, good God, yeah, that's all he's his body's all, made of. Yes. He's all mischief, all the time. Right. I don't think that he, what this Robin Hood is meant to represent is that he's, because he says later on when uh, Maid Marian accuses him of hating the, the Normans. Yeah. It's like, I don't hate the Normans. I hate injustice. Yeah. So it's like. I hate the way that people, they're treating right. people. Yeah. Because yeah. again, he's incredibly loyal to Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Who is he's, a Norman. He's a Norman. I like to say again. And he's yeah. in love with later on a Norman. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, so it's, it, it makes it out to be a really kind of appealing character because he doesn't. He's not holding a grudge. He's not angry no. about anything. No, no, he's just... Even once he straight loses everything that he had. Right. He doesn't even... We don't even see a silk, a sulk, rather. We see nothing where he's mm-hmm. like, woe is me, I have nothing now. He's right. just like, cool, now I live in the forest with all my friends right. who have sworn an oath to him. Um, not to him, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's harm the rich only to aid the poor. That's the other thing. You only harm them... like. We're not out to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. They're not murking anyone. Uh-huh. They're literally just like, you have more than you need, and I'm going to take this and give this right. to somebody who needs it. Right? And so uh, then you fight to fight injustice and to show courtesy to all the oppressed. And they start a guerrilla war against Guy of Gisborne mm-hmm. and Prince John. Uh basically just wreaking havoc on any time they want to go anywhere, they are accosted and robbed Uh And later, I think, well, Much and Will are walking alongside. I think they're both there. Um, they encounter Friar Tuck and Will, Will or Much tells 
Robin. No, it's John Little. I mean, oh, is it Little John? Who's like, oh yeah, that you know. Little John is like, oh, that dude is like the chillest dude that ever was. Right. And then Will is like, isn't he like a like a like a champion swordsman? Right. John's like, shh. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because these guys mess with each other a lot. They're constantly. They are frattiest. Right. Frattiest of frat <laughs> boys. Um, and they do fight with mm-hmm. swords uh, because Robin Hood tries to make Friar Tuck carry him on his back across the river <laughs> right. after stealing his mutton leg. It's wild. <laughs> this is the scene where I was like, fuck this dude. This dude's well, an asshole. This is, again, <laughs> it's, there's, I, and I, and, uh, I remember telling a friend of mine, I was the, um, Hans Christian Andersen's story, The Tinderbox, mm. uh, and trying to reconcile what was normal behavior for when Hans Christian Andersen wrote this yeah. story. So the idea of being carried over, you have to carry a nobleman on your back and to get across the but river. So it's, it wouldn't yeah. even bother me as much if this was a just a just a dude. Right. But the fact that he's supposed to be like a man of the cloth, right. for him to be like, I'm going to literally get on your back, like... Yeah. I'm a child, and you're piggybacking me. Right. Which Friar Tuck lets him do right. until he can get a sword in his hand. Well, he lets him do and then throws him over his head into the river. So, at that point, right, mm-hmm. they are friends now, and they all laugh. Ha, 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 ha. It's hilarious. Then you and, liked Friar Tuck's voice. And, and Friar Tuck says... I will I will hang out with you, I guess. It's mm. fine. I'll be your little friar. I will I will be your holy man and also a sword for you. And we should mention this is Eugene Pellette. Yes. There's a character a character actor you're not familiar with. No. He did a lot of comedy. He had a great He has a very good comic. Right. He has really good comic timing and he has a very funny voice. Yeah. His voice is <laughs> right. funny. His voice is funny. Um and then they all take they they go, they do do a hostage, just mm-hmm. a light hostage, where they um, capture a bunch of Normans uh, bringing from the far, farther lands food and tax, taxes mm-hmm. back to Prince John. And in that group is this, Gisborne, mm-hmm. Guy of Gisborne, so Basil Athborn's there, the Sheriff of Nottingham. And lovely Lady Marion. And they uh, do take them all. They take all of their things, except they don't make her disrobe, but they make mm. the men disrobe. Um, but they do take everything else, and they lead them to their encampment, right. which is ballsy. Because they're like, you won't be able to find us again. And I'm like, does that mean you're going to move? Because. I think they might be able to find you again, but whatever. Because it's a well, he tells them, there's a lot of people. You're trying to mark the way. You're not going to find it. But in other words, they just sort of led them through every blind path in the woods until maybe, they found. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, or Some around sp- in circles right. and yeah. Um, so they're there and mm-hmm. they do feed them. Like they have a banquet because right. they take all of this food that they've gathered to bring to Prince John. Which earlier we'd seen people collecting food from vendors right. for Prince John and just taking it and not right. paying for it. The 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 very the scene before we meet Robin Hood mm-hmm. when he's talking about we're gathering all the money to ransom my brother. Mm-hmm. You see women But they, in, he right. says it like 
eyebrows waggling, right. literal, like, just, it's a ransom for my brother. Like, right. okay, dude. Again, <laughs> silent know, movie acting. Know. It's not going to. But he, uh, we see a woman being sort of shouted at and abused. We know what this is going to mean. It's like the, the, the suggestion of rape in 1938 that they don't want to show you on the screen. Because mm-hmm. that would really sour the film, too, mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. We see people taken into indentured servitude. Yeah. Um, and just great hunks of meat taking off these right. vendors' things. And they're like, who's going to pay for that? And the, and the thugs are like, didn't you hear it's for Prince John? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Prince John presumably then can pay for his shit. Right. He's <laughs> the prince. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not a tithe, asshole. Give right. me my money. Um, so they are, but they have um, distributed all mm-hmm. of this food to all of the men there. And then also... Uh, Robin takes uh, Marion over into this weird little copse of trees where all of the people who have been um, made un- homeless, made homeless, unhoused, yes. the unhoused now are, and he's and they, he goes in and everybody's like, thank you, thank you so much, and and whatever. And it's clear that they've all been eating it, and they're basically his mm-hmm. wards now. Like he right. is trying to protect them and 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 give them as much comfort as he can. Without a land and a title, right? Exactly, (laughs) right. So, um, and that I think that turns that turns her to him, and then he does let Guy and Nottingham go, and he says he'll send the lady later. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Hmm?" and they do go out. And then the lady is allowed to leave on her beautiful horse, Marion's horse. Yes, we should mention her so horse. Gorgeous. Her horse looks like a like Barbie dream model. horse or something. So much better than I'll ever look on my best day. <laughs> it's really very so funny. blonde and lovely. Because <laughs> the horses are, we, and the horses we were commenting on this watching this film, mm-hmm. they are very good. They're incredible. Professional working horses that have probably done 60 westerns before this. Yeah, because they are not phased by right. anything that People is happening. People are jumping off them. their backs, jumping on their backs. People are falling, falling under off them. them, and right. nobody is getting trampled. I'm just like, exactly. these horses are the MVPs. <laughs> um, and her horse, I don't know where they found this creature. It doesn't even look so like beautiful. a normal horse. It looks like a, it's you know, gorgeous. a 10-year-old girl's drawing of, you know. It is. It is. <laughs> Really, it is her favorite it is story, right? It's really fun. <laughs> um, and they do. He does let her go, of course. And then we see some scheming back at the castle, wherein the sheriff of Nottingham is basically asked by Prince John, "Well, what did you do to stop anything?" And he's like, "I couldn't have possibly. Right. We were so outnumbered." And I'm like, "Yeah, because you're if on only I had a sword, I could have done something." <laughs> right. And then they're talking about, well, maybe we should lure him here. We should set a trap. Right. He likes Maid Marian. She'll be back shortly, by the way. She's not with them then, but they presume that he will, in fact, send her back and right. intact. So they still think of him, as you were saying, as mm. a nobleman. They right. don't think that he's going to... He, he, how bad could he be if you leave this maid with him right. and you presume that he, she will be back as promised? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, well, this is also the brightest, technicoloriest, shiniest historical picture that ever was. So, a rape? Never. No, yeah, that, that's one of the <laughs> things that happens in this film is 
there's times when Robin is like, for instance, with the Friar Tuck, he's very playfully taking advantage of what his position is supposed to be. And there are other times when they just trust him to do the right thing because he's, he's a nobleman. Because right he's a nobleman. Now, mind you, these people are schemers themselves and they're they horrible. But... So they think, let's right. make an archery competition. He won't be able to help himself and we'll swing the pot by, we saw how he was looking at Mary and we'll make her the one who gives the prize away. So that's their scheme. Mm-hmm. And they think they've gotten one over on him. And then, of course, he does show up. Because he's Robin Hood. But... He knows that I, it's a trap. I love they the fact all that all of his accompanying much the, the Miller's son and the Sheriff Nottingham and uh, Will Scarlet are all with him in disguise going, you know this Big is John. a trap. Little John. Little Paul. John, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not Nottingham. Oh, excuse That'd me, not Nottingham. I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> Little John, much the Miller's son, yeah. and uh, Will Scarlet. And Will Scarlet. Oh, like, this right. is stupid. This is definitely Don't, a trap. This He's is not like, a uh-huh. disguise. You know, you put some mud on your face. He didn't even really do that. He's right. wearing a big hat. Yeah. But, He's not wearing his bright green spangles today. Right. Um, But he does, he does go, and he does win. Mm-hmm. Even after, that's the other thing, Nottingham's so dumb in this, right? So they're watching the thing, and Nottingham sees somebody just do, like, an incredible shot. And he's like, no man alive could possibly beat it. Like, he's in it. And I'm like, dude, folk, read the room. (laughs) You're here to capture a guy. Like, what are you? He's like, real into the archery. Yeah, he gets wrapped up in the sporting (laughs) event. Um, And then, of course, he does do... The split, the arrow right. split. He just whoop, right up the mm-hmm. <laughs> splits that Which arrow in half. Apparently, was actually done yes. by the archery consultant, and it had to be done twice because apparently it was done so quickly that they had to effectively put the arrow back on wires to have it slowed down enough to capture it on film. Wow! Oh yeah, I guess they and, didn't and have, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was. There's uh, this a couple. Ang Lee of, is just watching this like right. I could have gotten it the first try. <laughs> But yeah, watching some of the or reading some of the stories about how why it had to be shot again and, and how it was shot. Yeah. But basically, it was very difficult to capture what that was supposed to look like, and he, but the guy was able to do it in real life. Yeah, and he um he is captured. He well he is is he captured? I can't remember. He's captured and he's, he's put captured. into prison. He's captured and thrown in prison. Mm. Marion is like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, we're going to throw you in prison too. Rude. Oh, because oh, that's after, though. Okay. So, yeah. So, he is he is put in prison um, or uh, and then sentenced to die. <gasps> oh, no. What will he do? Uh, and then, oh, but then Marion and the Merrymen. Marion and the Merrymen. Oh, y'all. <laughs> this is complicated. Uh, do get him out. Mm-hmm. He does escape. And then he scales up her wall to say, You love me. You want to date me. And she's like, oh, No. <laughs> and he's like, Well, it's mean that I came all the way up here then because I'm clearly going to die because look at all these people who want me dead. And I came up here to talk to you, but if, if it's nothing, I guess I'll just go. And she's like, No, no, I do love you. And then they do kiss. <laughs> they do a kiss. And then he escapes. 
because he says he says I want you to come with me, and she mm-hmm. says I cannot come. With yeah, me. she he wants because to you marry her are doing what you're doing on right. the outside, and I, the only way that I can protect Richard mm-hmm. is to do it on the inside. I have to watch what they're doing, and mm-hmm. I have to, I have to try and thwart it from in here. And then she does go downstairs and does overhear a schemey scheme because elsewhere in the world. In an inn. The Bishop of the Black Cannons. Is that what it is? Is that who it is? Yes. The Bishop of the Black Cannons, who we have seen before, he is mm-hmm. also a bad guy. He is um he's a he's a traitor. Right. Uh but he wants to try and pretend that he's not a traitor, but he is a he is a traitor. Uh he <sighs> He sees some mysterious he men. He comes upon a end. bunch of yes. men in fancy cloaks. Um, and does believe that one of them is Richard because one of them is Richard. <laughs> that is why he believes that. Who we have not seen previous no. to now. And you do have to understand that all of these men look the same. So I was like, is that, I thought it was Big John mm-hmm. or Little John. Sorry, dude. I keep forgetting your name. I thought it was Little John. But it was not. It was the King of England. <laughs> um, and so he sends word up to Prince Prince John that uh, I think I just spotted the king. Now's your fucking chance. Because if John can, uh, you know, his brother, then he gets to be king. And so he does send a man named Dickon. Who also had his stuff stripped from him, but by Richard. That's right. Richard and he has, wants to reinstate himself, right. so he becomes a royal assassin. Right. However, they're notified of the plan by Miss Marion. But Marion sees, hears right. them and does get word to them that... Well, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. She tries to get word, and I think she does actually get word out with her, with Bess, her ladies. Maid, who is having a bit of a relationship with Much Miller's son. Uh, yeah, they are definitely doing it. And <laughs> they are. That's what you have to say in 1938. And uh, But she does sort of fold up a piece of paper and hide it in a jewelry box and very, like, ostentatiously try and hide the jewelry box. So, of course, that's the right. first place that Guy o- looks at when he goes and sees, says, he burst you into definitely overheard us, and yes. you definitely are trying to send your your boyfriend some a note. Is this the note? <gasps> Treasonous bitch. And then he goes downstairs, or she goes, she goes down to the to the to the dungeon she is sentenced to death, and right. she says, "You cannot kill me. Only the king can kill me." And Richard er, and 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 Prince John says, "A king will kill you in forty-eight hours. Hence, when I am king, and I will kill you." What I like about this scene is that she's not a withering violet. Nope, she's she, standing up for herself. Right, she's standing up for herself. She's standing up for the king. Yep. She um. She tells John what for. So I really appreciate that this got put into the film. Yeah. Because it would be very easy to have her just be a damsel in distress. Oh, no, no. Yeah. She's pretty tough. That This is what she does. I mean, she can't go fighting in the, you know. 
on horseback with the rest of the men necessarily, That's but right, she yeah. can do this. So she, so so Bass does tell much what's going mm. on, and much rather than, um, you know, to telling anyone, he does ride as fast as he can to where he thinks he can um, overtake Dickon, mm. and then he does climb into a tree, and then he does drop on him from the heavens, and then they do fight really badly, and he is wounded, but he is not bested. He does best Dickon, and he does save the king of England. Right. He barely... And you do find him right. bleeding on a rock later. But he is protected. And uh, Richard and his men are, distri- are um, they're disguised as monks, Norman mm-hmm. monks. And so they're traveling through Sherwood Forest and they are they they're trying to be they're trying to find Robin Hood because mm-hmm. they have been heard they've heard the name Robin 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 here's what I don't understand I'll ask in a second they are sort of kept taken up by mm-hmm. Robin um when they do say that they are loyal to the king right. the real king Richard he does sort of take them in and then take them back to the their little you know mm-hmm. area and as they're talking about, oh, and that's when they find Dickon, and they're like, um, uh, or not Dickon, but uh, much. much. And they're like, oh, we've got to get word. We've got to send people out to find Richard. And that's when Richard mm-hmm. takes down his head. And he's like, you do not need to go find him because you have found him. I am him. <laughs> and um, here's my question. Robin of Loxley is a <clears throat> Saxon nobleman. Right. Why do they not know what each other looks like? <laughs> <clears throat> because it's 1192. Okay. <laughs> what is the real... I would just... think... Okay. <clears throat> okay. What would be the real signifier is that when he strips off the robe, he's, got he's the wearing his suit thing. of armor and he's the got, crest. He's got the whole... Right. He's got the so, whole thing. Apparently, he's, he's been wearing caboodle. his same chain mail and yeah. crest since he left Austria. Yeah. Um, which under the monk's right. robes, Mother very monk's heavy. Robes. Yes, but like no, but I mean, I just feel like Prince John knows what Guy of Gisborne looks like because he's a nobleman in his service. Mm-hmm. Why does Prince Richard know what Robin of Loxley looks like because he's a nobleman in his? Probably the only no, only nobleman left in his service. Right? Maybe maybe that's it. But I feel like before they left, they probably knew each other. But maybe not. They I might have not. been. Turned he might have been a much younger man. Remember, he's been away at the Crusades for a long time. Oh, I guess that's right. And and uh, Robin, and Robin may not have been Robin mm-hmm. of Loxley. He may have just right. been a kid or whatever. Okay. So the other thing is that I also like the fact that Robin gives him what for also about no. I do blame mm. Richard for what's happening because he that's should right. have stayed here and taken care of his people. That's right. Instead of fighting foreign wars. Yeah, that's right. He does. They do have a whole before Robin knows who Richard is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's they're talking about what he's doing and and how he's doing it, and he's like, so you blame you know you 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 think John's to blame for this or whatever, and he's like, no, Richard's to blame. He is the protector of England, and he should be protecting England, not other countries. Not the Holy not Land. Not the Holy Land. Not, like, you signed up to be the king. I don't care if you don't like that. That's what you are. And all of your people are here, and they're right. suffering because you left them. Yeah. 
He doesn't say you because he doesn't know he's talking to him. But that's honestly what he says. And I like that. I think that is good. It's honest, which is what I like. There's a lot of kind of honest moments in the middle of this film. We're very disappointed that you decided to go and do this other thing instead of staying at home. And look what's happened to us now. Then they're like, okay, so how do we get in? How do we get in? And then they realize that the Bishop of the Black Cannon excuse me, is the one that's set the next day to do the, um, it's not an inauguration. What's Coronation. It Coronation. And the execution of Marion. And the execution of Marion. But, so they um, break into his abbey? I don't know where he stays. His his home, wherever he is, they break into it. They do maybe hostage him a little bit. Right. And they're like, you're gonna and he's amenable to it because mm-hmm. um he's a soft-willed man right. who wants to keep the power that he has amassed and this is literally the only way right. that's going to happen well that's the whole reason and he's he associating with keep john the same power but too, yeah is the fact that i'm just going to stick with the strongest one there mm-hmm. is he's not a schemer like guy of gisborne mm-hmm. who's constantly going how can i move up the ladder yep, yep. he's a guy who's just like how can i hold on to what i have yeah and so they, he is basically, they are basically all smuggled in as part of the uh, church's mm-hmm. entourage. Entourage, right. And then Richard does do a big reveal mm-hmm. to which John is like, <gasps> Brother! <laughs> and then everybody fights. And the thing that I was afraid of the whole time. Because there's a big stone staircase that does wind up a the mm-hmm. outside of a curved turret with no railing at all. And somebody does fall off of that and die. Um, well, first not dies, but then another one does fall and die. But there's a big sword fight, big sword fight between Guy of Gisborne and, Guy Robin, of Gisborne Hood. and Robin Hood. The two biggest ones. And uh, Robin Hood does kill... Guy of Kissborne. And then he does free Marion. And then everybody else surrenders. And then King Richard banishes John, restores Robin's rank, promoting him to Baron of Baron of Loxley and Earl of Sherwood and Nottingham. Haha. <laughs> Fuck you, Sheriff of Nottingham. You're the worst. The king pardons the Merry Men. That's that's Robin's ask. Mm-hmm. Anything that any black marks on these guys, right. get it off. Make them clean. And he's like, yeah, done. <laughs> like, finished. And then uh, he also commands Robin to take Marion as his wife, which is wrong. Well, but I guess he, that's what the word He says, he prefaces that by saying, the way oh, that she's she looking say, at you, yeah. I can tell this is not going to be odious to her. Right. So. He, and I think he does say, you're good with this, right? Right. And she's like, mm? <laughs> <laughs> And then they, uh, and then there's more stuff to happen, but they do not care and they do leave. They're right. like deuces, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of the movie. And it's super fun, and it's short, it's like an hour and forty. It's so funny. Minutes. I, just doing the review, it's 
that movie moves like a meteor. It's so fucking fast. It just keeps going. You're like, are you liking it? I'm like, I don't even know. So much has happened. I have not had a chance to even think about whether or not I'm enjoying it. Because there's, and and not only is a lot of stuff happening, Mm -hmm. everything is big and bright and like just very flashy and in your face. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. The movie's a lot. It's super fun. I did really enjoy it. Um, Thriller? No. Thrilling? Sure. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's my that's my final thoughts. <laughs> I, I just I it's another one where a film where you look at it and you go this this changed movie making. You know, it really did. There's a one thing that we haven't mentioned yet was the musical score. It's so fun by Eric Wolfgang Kongold. Coin gold. Coin gold. Horn gold. Eric Wolf. Wolfgang tight, sir. And uh, who was... He composed operas in Vienna. You do it. I'm sorry? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> confusing. Anyhow, and so he was rejecting film work, and he was going to only compose operas in It's very Vienna. fancy. And until he realized at the time, 1938, that Vienna was going the way of one of its other inhabitants, Mr. Adolf Hitler. Oh. And seeing the choices made there, he's like, Oh, good bounce. I'm staying in Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. I'll write your score for your movie. Yeah, for so sure. So he wrote this beautifully there is one orchestral weird, score yeah. for this film. There is There was weird mm-hmm. scene, one weird scene where I called it out, too, because mm-hmm. it was just this building orchestra or orchestral sound, mm-hmm. and it sounded like it was live being played right. to the... To the thing, and it was the music was building in such a way that you were like something exciting is happening, mm-hmm. but nothing exciting was really happening. It was just them getting themselves into place for their right. scheme, which so something exciting is happening, but it was just this weird disconnect between this. And then what was actually physically happening on the screen, which was just men making small right. movements and, and getting in line. And it was like, and... what? This yeah. is weird. It, it, it really is when you're watching a film, particularly we were talking, because we saw Ready Player One this weekend. Mm-hmm. We were talking mm-hmm. about um, big scores and people like, for instance, John Williams scores for yeah, the yeah. Lost. This is really the beginning of that, when you have these big, elaborate produced scores and, for a yeah. film. And again, this is the beginning of the sound era. But also, weren't there theaters that had... Like, there were some that had live orchestras. Orchestras in them, yeah. But yeah, this film had so much going for I feel like there's an orchestra pit at the Grand Lake. They still have an organ that they They still play. have a Wurlitzer there. And or, so does the uh, so does the Paramount Theater. No, yeah, the Paramount Theater still has an or- a Wurlitzer. Uh, I went there to I've see some silent there. movies, and uh, mm. the guy was actually the last Orlinster player they had was playing music there, accompaniment. But it's one of those things where everything in the film works together. I mean, it was not historically accurate at all, no. but the costumes and the art direction, everything it was all just was it of was a all piece. doing the same mm. thing. Everybody was in the same movie, right? And all the backstage, all the you know who wasn't in that movie? Who? All the horses were like. It's so quiet. Right. There's no guns happening. So that's cool. But why are they falling over all the time? The sword though? duels were exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's a wonderful moment that everyone comments on, but uh, where Guy of Gisborne, eh, who, and Basil Rathbone was an excellent fencer. Oh, yeah. As was Errol Flynn. But they're going at it, and we they drop out of screen, and you're just seeing their shadows dueling up at the wall. It's so good. Right. And it, this was a spontaneous, this was not planned. It was a spontaneous thing that was captured by accident. And the director just like, no, that's really theatrical. Now they're huge. They're, they're these huge. huge shadows. And they it was crisp. Yes. It wasn't fuzzy at all. You no. know who was who. Like, it was, yeah, it was really yeah, good. It looked like an animation. Now right. they just do it in CGI. Right, exactly. But that was like one of those spontaneous moments that got captured. That was like, wow, that was really spectacular. And everyone who's seen the film comments on that. Yeah, and no, it's it was even, cool. There's a lot of it that was lifted. There's effectively... Uh, the sword scene, the Princess Bride is a parody yes, of this. Yes, for sure. I was like, are they going to Inigo Montoya this? Yeah, well, he did. <laughs> he has the, the, the long hair and the, the yeah. goatee and the yeah, entire yeah, thing. Yeah. So what's really funny is that the man in black and Inigo Montoya in um, Princess Bride are really Errol Flynn's character and Zorro. Yeah. And it's funny how they that was kind of an yeah. in-joke. We made these two characters yeah. meet in a duel. It's but, just uh, it's just Flynn v Flynn, right? right. Well, did Errol Flynn? No, Tyrone Power did Zorro. But uh, but yeah, a man who probably shouldn't have. <laughs> was he a white? Uh, he yes. Yeah. But he was rather darker than some of the others. All you had to have is dark hair and dark eyes, and you were considered one of us. Sure. But uh, <laughs> but it was uh yeah it was a really great film, and I'm glad I saw it again because it took me back to memories of my own childhood, but also yeah. like how much fun movies like this used to be. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun to watch. And and like I said, it was every, it was, I, it's weird because I legitimately don't know where my sto- my understanding of Robin Hood comes mm. from, but it's definitely in there. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I know who all these people are. I know the their little lores and their little, mm. I don't know how, probably yeah. Kevin Costner. Ooh. But, um, and then the, yeah, the speed of it was always just, and I, and that's just a time thing, I it, think. It's amazing how much story you can tell. In limited time, if you want to. Yeah. No, they just talk really fucking fast. Right. There's no long scene. And there's of, no, uh, yeah, long scenes of anything. And there's, yeah, there's, there's no, the, there's not a long scene in this movie. Right. There's all these there's sort of that. set pieces and they just rocket along. Yeah. And you're, you're moving with the film and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Fun, fun, fun. All right. Next week, number 99 on the thrillers list is Speed. From 1994, one of my favorite movies. This is not a movie that we are late to. I mean, I don't know that I saw it in theaters. I don't think that I did. I saw it in my old apartment with my roommate. For the first time? For the first time. And Now I, you're going to see it in your new apartment with your roommate. Right. <laughs> it was really funny. I, I think I've seen it once. I don't think I've seen it more than once. Um, Ooh. I'm over here going to be quoting every line because I've seen it like 20 times. This might be the movie I've seen more than any other this movie. Is, that's surprising because usually it's me. It's like you will look at me and go, how can you watch? I like watching yeah, stuff more than film. once sometimes. But like this is a movie where if it's on, I'm fucking watching it. Right. it it's a Shawshank for me. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. or when you see the Harry Potters, you're like, fuck it. Just put that on. Right. <laughs> like it's just it is. But I have seen it beginning to end. Probably more times than I've seen any other movie. Wow. And we're going to add one more to it because I am going to watch it again for the podcast. Um, Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, Alan Ruck, Dennis Hopper, 
Jeff Daniels. I would really, right? yeah, yeah, Jeff Daniels. Hoppers, I would really like whim of a madman. Somehow, somebody <laughs> to express how really deeply weird and wonderful Dennis Hopper's performances can be. And we'll be seeing a few of them. We will. Actually, in the not terribly distant future, we've got Blue Velvet coming down. Uh, so, the weirdest, maybe. I'll pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> that so, film is rough. So, next week, we're going to watch Speed. In the meantime, mm-hmm. do you have anything that you want to recommend? Unfortunately, I have... I've Yeah, tapped out? <laughs> I have not... You know, we were doing so much. Yes. That I haven't gotten around to seeing something. Uh, we had a really good holiday season where we're watching movies left yep. and right. Encanto and uh, uh, what was the the other animated film? I always get wrong the title wrong. Gone wrong. Wrong gone wrong, which was really really funny. I really liked that movie a lot. That was just surprisingly funny. I you know I'm worried of cashews now. Um, but there we saw the Matrix Revolutions or no, the Matrix Resurrection. A demon and a cashew. Right, demon and a cashew. <laughs> There was the, the scene in Wrong Gone Wrong where someone, where the, and some of it is like such dark humor. I don't know that we recommended it. So if we didn't, I will put right. it in, in for this one. Yeah. This, the, this is a film that's very much like Big Hero 6 in a way. Uh, it's an attack on social media about a, uh, this kid who wants a personal robot to be his best friend out of the box as it's advertised for everyone else. Um, his father can't afford it, so he buys a model that fell off the back of a truck and has been damaged. So he's able to get it cheap. Yeah. And the end result is this sort of chaotic robot who doesn't quite work well, who doesn't have... He's like special ed. Right. He's (laughs) very funny, though. And so there's a scene that I literally lost my breath because I was laughing so hard. Oh, that's funny. Where... The the robot doesn't seem to understand the electronic process of friending people, so it just no. out, goes out and gathers these random gathers people, friends, gathers people, and steals a baby. Steals baby. So, this baby liked you so much, liked your photo so much, he ate it. Right, and it, yeah, it's just really funny, and it does like. Um, we recently saw uh, "Don't Look Up." Yeah. There's a couple of movies that we've fallen recently that really take a very kind of Dark. hard thrust yeah. at the, the heart of like social media and the way that it's dictating our lives. And this yeah. film... It does the same, only it does it for, for littles. Yes. And it does it really pointed and very good. Very good. And there's some yeah, it's funny very too. funny lines in it. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my recommendation. I wrong guess gone, I didn't realize Wrong Gone Wrong? Yeah. Wrong Gone Wrong, yes. What about you? Um, I will recommend Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't like it. Right. I did not expect to like it. I did like it very much. Mm. People are like, it's so heavy-handed. And I'm like, okay, A, satire, and B, our society has gotten to the point where you have to be heavy-handed and blatant with satire because reality is satiring itself. Yes, I, I don't know that we can make anything as weirder uh, as weird as what has happened to American culture now. Yeah, half and, the stuff that I read, right. I'm like, I need to see if that was real. Well, and that's something that we talked about before where The Onion is like 
where do we go? Because where do we go? Where do we go? Real life is outstripping because, what we and can the, do. And, and, the, and even like mm-hmm. uh, old things that are the onion that like uh, that the onion do does mm-hmm. like every time there's a mass shooting, they do the same headline. Right. You know, country wonders how to stop something that only happens in country. Like the, right. like every other place has been able to manage. Like how it's. Uh, I 100% believe that every reaction that is had in this movie would be had by people in the United States. Would it be the prevailing response? I don't know. Mm. Would it be a entirely too common response? Oh, yes. There's a real survey where 16.4 million Americans believe that chocolate milk came from brown cows. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a... (laughs) Like... And I really did admire this film in a lot of ways. I I like seeing Jennifer Lawrence doing something out of the box here. There's a really funny bit she carries through the entire film about a particular general who is a jerk to her. Yeah. And she just can't she let just, it go. Well, it's, because it, <laughs> Cause it is so stupid. His behavior that. makes right. no sense. Right, and exactly. she's doing for him and that particular behavior. Right. What I try to do, what I, what I am struggling to do, mm-hmm. where it's just like, there's no, like, I don't, I, I understand most things, and I cannot wrap my head around why this person would behave this right, way. Exactly. I just it logically, rationally, there's no reason. What the fuck? <laughs> we should mention this cast is astounding. The cast is very good, and you get to see. Here's another thing that um, I liked: Leonardo DiCaprio acting. Right. I think he's a good actor, and I don't and think he's asked to act. That often. Leonardo DiCaprio, Melanie Linsky, um, Til- Jennifer Chalamet. Playing Jennifer a character Lawrence. that is her age. What a fucking concept. Right. Um, I appreciate, I was like, she's a postgrad? Great. She's not a mom and 40? Fan fucking. No, she's, no really, she's about to be yeah. a mom in real life, but. She's really very good. She's and great. And she doesn't get a chance to. I, I mean, she... I hope that now she gets to play her actual age. Right. Because I think there's a lot of roles that her I think there's age. a specific director who is very Yeah, that was just... It's, a, it's, oh, David Russell is right. really just wants her to be all of his main characters, regardless of their age or anything about them. Right. And she is not right for those roles in a lot of cases. Not that she doesn't do well in them. Oh, she always equips herself like, very well. I've never seen her sleepwalk through a performance. No. But again, she's trying her damnedest with a role that is not suited for her at all. A lot, of, uh, some of the times. And she has the exact same response that I would have if I discovered a meteor was coming directly towards the Earth. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert: that's what this movie is about. And that is, I gotta go get high. <laughs> I cannot actually handle this right, right. right now. But it, it is a very good film. Yeah, no, and, I, and I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. And um, but yes, if you're disappointed by bad human behavior. Um, you prepare. Pop, prepare pop, yourself. Pop, pop. This is a film all about bad yeah. human behavior. Yeah. So okay. So that's that. Mm-hmm. Next week, speed, y'all watch speed, speed with us. Speed. It's so good. It's so good. 
I'm so excited to get to watch it again. <laughs> and I've seen it like 20 times. Um, until then, you can uh, email us or, uh, or at latecomerspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook with any questions or comments or concerns that you may have. Get on board with this uh, list. We're going to release um, sort of monthly upcomings mm-hmm. so that every month on our website or on our Facebook page and on Twitter, you'll be able to see what we're going to do for the next month. Mm. I'm stealing that from overdue. Appreciate you. Uh, so that's it's what we're going to do. It's an homage. That's what Quentin Tarantino calls it when he rips people Homage. Up. And uh, until next time, I would like to remind you to take your medicines, any and all of them that you may have or need. And we want to remind you, better Better late late than than never. never.